Hello guys, welcome to Kingdom Talks. I am your host here today with a special guest and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself to you guys. Okay. Hi, Ibrahim. It's great to be here. My name is Akina Kublal and I am right now in Trinidad and Tobago on the island of Trinidad, which for those of you who may not know is in the Caribbean. It's the last of the Caribbean islands just before you hit South America in the Caribbean chain of islands. So it's great to be here with you guys this evening. Awesome. Awesome. Can you kindly share with the audience um, what are you involved in? What do you do in terms of your professional life, ministry? Awesome. Yes. So I'm an author, a two-time author of most recent. My first book, I wrote it in 2021, following the end of my very um, exciting career as a flight attendant. I moved away from aviation and we'll get into that um, in the discussion, but I moved away from aviation and I decided to just follow my passion, um, which is really just people. Ever since I was young, I, I always, you know, struggled with finding what I was good at doing because I just really just enjoyed serving and sometimes serving doesn't always put the food on the table, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, so professionally now I am an author. I host annual women empowerment events here in Trinidad and Tobago. This year, we're going to have one in Tobago for the first time. And I also do a lot of different work with women in the space of women empowerment, domestic violence advocacy, as well as vitiligo awareness. So as you can tell, I have vitiligo, which is a skin condition that affects about 2% of the global population. So I do a lot of advocacy work as it pertains to that, just to create awareness around the world and things like that. Wow. Um, what is your why in life? My why, my children, everything I do is, um, is for them. The, in my, my first book, I shared that a lot of the things that I share with women, my drive for empowering women over being what you call a strong woman, although I don't like to use that phrase because I feel like it's overused, <laughs> yeah. um, comes from me wanting to be that example to them. Before anybody else, before I want to inspire anybody else or come on the internet to do these podcasts or, you know, go viral or all those things, the only people I really strive to impress are them. Because too many times, you know, we see people in ministry, we see people in the faith space, they are doing so many great things on the outside. And then when you talk to their family at home, talk to their children or their spouses, they have a different story. You know, so I always strive to to just be that number one inspiration for my girls before anybody else. Because if I'm not empowering them, then I shouldn't really be out there trying to empower anybody else. I like I, I like what you what you just said that um yes, you can focus on ministry and then you neglect your marriage or your home. I mean there are instances in the Bible where men of God, such as Samuel, you know, he was strictly focused on ministry. I'm, I'm sure he didn't have time for his children. Mm -hmm. You have Eli. You also have David. Again, in life, we get so busy. Yeah. We think that we put ministry before our ministry at home, you know. But I like the fact that you said that your your why in life is is to be a role model, to be an example, to that intimate relationship in your life, those people who matter to you. 
those people God has put in your area of responsibility. Yeah, I think too, you know, we, we, we sometimes, yes, we draw reference from these stories in the Bible, but we also forget that that was a completely different time, you know. Um, it was It was such a completely different time back then that, it may have given allowances for um for parents to just be more all in on one thing. There was not so much distractions. There wasn't so much things competing for your children's attention mm-hmm. as there is now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I I think it's just so important for us to just remember that not just as women but as parents in general. For the parents that might watch this, you know. Um, that yes, we could chase all the things in the world, but our first ministry, our first assignment and responsibility should be our children. Wow, thanks. I'm going to talk about women in faith leadership. And it really baffles my mind to see that we are still finding this an issue in, in Christianity where men, we don't believe that God can use women in a place of authority or in a place of influence. And, but there are instances in the Bible with, with a woman called Deborah. She was a, a wife, a prophetess, and a judge, which clearly states that even the Old Testament, God value women in leadership. We might see one single woman, but that shows that God didn't show partiality, right? So what's your what's your take on this idea of seeing women in faith leadership? What are the challenges and the opportunities that you have encountered? Yeah. I think, you know, before we even not just in the faith space, but just leadership roles in general. Mm. You know, um as I mentioned, I had a, a almost spanning ten year career in aviation. And then moving from that into the faith space, I saw it then when I was in the career world, moving into the space, faith space, now owning my own business because I do consultancy now for like companies and training and stuff like that. And I see it all the time where a woman could offer better service, um, better quality of work, better work ethic in general, but she still has to work twice as hard before, you know, like, I guess before it she gets taken seriously. And I think it, it just goes to I don't know if it would ever change to be honest, but what I will say is that the more men that stand up for women and the more men like yourself who who use their voice to affirm that okay, it's these it, there is room for these women and they deserve to be here, that's when we really start to change, start to see that change starting to happen. So I, I think for me, I have encountered it. I've seen a lot of friends encounters as well, but I, I, I choose to kind of just let my work speak for itself hmm. and let the quality of person that I am, you know, they say your character would always, you know, speak for itself just to let my character speak for itself. But um, even if we go back to the Bible and we look at the very foundational story of Adam and Eve, Right. It was, even though Adam was there first, when Eve came on the scene, the, the leadership, it was dual leadership, you know, um, there was no kind of, it wasn't until after sin and the whole apple thing took place, the fruit thing took place, 
is when God then said, you know, that your husband will rule over you. But prior to that, I, I didn't see it as being like, you know, it was ever meant to be separate. And also when God said, I create, I will create a, suit, a suitable helper for you. If I need somebody to help me move a piece of furniture or whatever, I'm not going to ask somebody who is weaker than me. I would definitely ask the person who is either equally as strong as me or somebody stronger because I want to relieve that burden off of myself. So it's, it's, women have so much value that they can add to the space of just, you know, ministry, the workplace, things like that. We have the ability to make things out of nothing. Some of us do it. <laughs> Not all of us. We have an amazing ability to just create things out of nothing, to bring life to things. And um, I think sometimes, though, we just get discouraged from even stepping out to do it because we get so much no's or so much rejection that sometimes you lose that hope. But as I said in, in the beginning, you know, is once we get that encouragement from the men in these spaces, I think we'll really see more women starting to come forward in a positive way, um, not just, you know, making it be like, so we have to force or push ourselves into these spaces. It shouldn't be like that. It should be men holding our hands to say, hey, sis, come on, you deserve to be here. Come into the meeting. I want to hear what you have to say. We can go back to the foundational um, blessing, which is in Genesis, when God said, he said, let us, create, let us create man in our image and likeness. So I believe that you and I, we share the same essence. We share the same origin. We share, we share the same identity. You and I, we are both image bearer of God. You understand? Whatever God can do, you can do. If God can speak, you can speak. If God can think, you and I, we can think. You understand? Because we, you and I, we came from God, mm-hmm. you know? And and so the, the our identity and essence and worth is exactly the same because we are made in the image and likeness of God. That just completely erased the idea that women are second class. No, they are not. You are just like me in essence, which is our key identity that we both share, made in the image and likeness of God. Secondly, God blessed, he said, God blessed them to be fruitful, multiply, uh, fail, subdue, and have dominion over what he has created. Share dominion, share identity, share dominion. Meaning that women have what it takes to rule. Women have what it takes to, to lead. Women have what it takes to build. You understand? It's in the Bible, in Genesis. Now, what is the difference? This is where I believe, personally believe that men are different from women. Physically, we are different from you guys. Yeah. God, God, it doesn't mean that women are strong emotionally and mentally because what you guys can do, what you guys can carry a child, you guys can raise a child all by yourself. You understand? Men cannot do that. But at the end of the day, the difference is that physically we differ from you guys. It doesn't mean that women are not strong mentally. Women are not strong emotionally. Women are not strong spiritually. I I am under my previous church. I was under a woman a woman leader, a woman minister, you understand? So I learned a lot from her, you understand? She can pray, she, she, can, she can do so many things. And I learned a lot from her. I submit myself under her spiritual authority because she has what it takes to, to mentor me, you understand? So um, another difference is roles and responsibilities. And the roles and responsibilities doesn't, doesn't, doesn't invoke any superiority, 
You understand? And this is what I tell people that someone's superiority over you does not diminish your significance. You understand? So if, 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 if the man is the head of the home, it does not diminish your significance. That, that idea of headship does not mean that he has to rule over you. That idea of headship is for him to, to, to walk as Christ walked because Christ was humble. If he can, if we as men, we can replicate the example of Jesus Christ, then I believe that women can easily, you know, come true for us, you know. And, and you mentioned comparable helper. He was not a second class because when Adam was naming the animals, he, could, he, he sees them in peers. That is why God told him that it's not good for man to be alone, just to let Adam, Adam know that. I have given you authority over the animals, but you cannot, you cannot exercise that authority alone. I need a woman in my life. I know the worth of a good woman. But the idea is that we, both men, male and female, they have to know that we need each other. This is where I disagree when, oh, I don't need a man. And, and, and the man was, I don't need a woman. That is, that is a lie. Because even God humbled Adam to say, Adam, it is not good for a man to be alone. That man means both male and female. When Adam was naming the animals, he sees them in peers. He himself acknowledged that there was not a comparable helper. So God didn't just suggest that. Adam himself acknowledged that. That is why Adam said, this is the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I love that you said, you know, um, when you disagree, when people say they don't need somebody, because I feel like this generation, like that's all they're projecting these days. You know, everybody is assuming that they they know what the other gender is thinking. They know what the other gender should do. You know, it's like they're living in this whole, this whole trying to overanalyze what everybody else should be without trying to be them their best selves, you know? Um, and that's just a little plug to put out there for the people who are entering the whole dating space and things like that. Yeah, so, you know, because because... I remember some years ago, I had a conversation with a group of women and they were saying that they do not like to use that term submission, you know, they hated to use it and they found that it was just the wrong thing to say. But now post pandemic, I'm peddling back and I'm seeing where people are starting to say, oh, they don't mind being submissive because women have now realized that there are some things that you will get burnt out on doing if you try to do it all alone, you know, so it's I, I just want to say to the woman out there that as you said allowing a man to lead you does not diminish your significance it doesn't mean that you're weak in fact sometimes it being able to allow somebody to lead you is a sign of strength because it means that your ego is you know completely removed and that you you know that that level of trust and security is there where you could allow this person to carry you um, as it pertains to the professional space, I have had a, you know, a very weird or, or strange and unique push forward into the, um, the, the realm of having my own business. So in 2019, I actually was on a flight and I fell on a flight where I injured my knee in the air during turbulence and I had oh, no. to have knee surgery done twice (laughs) so came off the flight on a wheelchair you know that whole it was was a whole big issue um and then coming out of that entering into the pandemic i ended up being retired medically unfit from flying 
during that time is when I also started to get vitiligo, which I had no clue that vitiligo is an autoimmune condition that's triggered by stress. So I was just going through a lot. I was in a very difficult marriage, you know, where there was a lot of things that I was keeping very quiet. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of cheating. We were going to church, a perfect Christian couple, you know, but at home, all these things were happening. And I think everything just started to take a toll on my body, the personal issues, the injury, the surgeries, then COVID. And when I started to get this and I realized the impact that stress was having on my body, I said, enough is enough. So I made a decision to just walk away from the career. And I took a year and a half to just kind of figure out life. And during that time is when I started to write and I started to put pen to paper and, you know, write my book and, and that kind of thing. So sometimes, you know, in, in life, things happen and you look at it as, God, why is this happening to me? But mm. God also allows things to happen to slow us down sometimes, to show us, to bring us back to, to, to what is important. Because had I not fell that day on that flight, as painful as it was, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today talking. I would not have published two books. I would not have, you know, inspired so many women that, you know, come to my conferences every year here in Trinidad. Last year, I had a friend from North Carolina. She came. She was actually in prison in the U.S. She came to the prison here in Trinidad to speak all for me just saying yes, you know. Um, But that yes would not have come if I didn't fall that day on that flight and was able to see through the painfulness because it was tough walking away from my career but being able to see that okay i'm not going to stay home and cry again for three more years god how can i use this difficult thing that you put me through now to inspire other people and that's what i did wow so it's like god use your pain for gain use your problems convert it into your purpose and that's the subtitle of my first book it's called labor of love a woman's journey from pain to purpose so let's get straight in. Just just tell the audience, it's an interesting title, Labor of Love, yes. Woman's Personal Journey from Pain to Purpose. You can actually labor in love. That's, yeah. that's very, I, I know you can labor bearing child, but labor in love. Girl, yeah. so tell us, tell us. Well, um, the title of my birthday is June 19th, which is Labor Day here in Trinidad. Um, and that's the day that I keep the women's events because it's a public holiday, it's my birthday, that kind of thing. But the title really came from the fact that I've noticed that women, we go through a lot of pain literally every month on a menstrual cycle, right? <laughs> we yeah. go through that. Then you carry a child going through childhood nine months, you know, uh, and I really believe it was the Holy Spirit that downloaded in me that nine months period and the comparison of sometimes moving from a difficult season to finally seeing the purpose. Now it mightn't happen exactly within the nine months, right? We're just talking yeah. figuratively. So in the book, the first chapter starts off with preconception, you know, and it talked about my own life from since I was a child, going a bit back to my mother's history, you know, how what she went through with her mother also impacted how she parented me. Um, because we also have a story as women in our family where my mother, she grew up in an orphanage here in Trinidad because 
her mother left her, you know, I don't like to use the word abandoned, but she did not take her home after she had her because wow. of racial tensions in the family. So in Trinidad, we have a very um, multicultural society, predominantly East Indian, predominantly African. And my grandmother was mostly East Indian. And because my mother's father was not the Indian husband that she had, she could not take my mother home. So she would visit her and stuff. But my mom grew up in the care of an orphanage with nuns and stuff. Um, so her not growing up with her mother was very challenging on me and my siblings because she was she didn't really know how to be a mom. Like she didn't have that maternal, I guess, example. But she was very good at teaching us what to do, skills and stuff that she learned in the orphanage. Hmm. But that impacted me now when I became a parent because my um, my relationship with my daughter's father's was father was very abusive. But I stayed because I always told myself I don't ever want to be like my mother. Hmm. You know, so uh, it 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 in the book I talk about how generational trauma when it's unaddressed. How you know we use too many church generational curses, but sometimes it's just really trauma that's unaddressed. Sometimes it's not always demonic things. Sometimes it's just things that you need therapy for, and some real deep healing. And and you know, looking at yourself and saying these things need to fix. And it just I use my own life and things that I've been through to talk about how chapter by chapter. Stage by stage, we go through things until one day you give birth to something that you realize that the pain was actually worth it. Wow, Lib Lib of Love, a woman's personal journey from pain to purpose. It's like what the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Romans 8 yeah. 28. That's actually one of my very favorite scriptures. Awesome, awesome. And and I think it's I think in life what I've learned is that we have to embrace problems. Because we live in a world, even Jesus said in this world we're gonna have jubilation, cheer up. God, Jesus is more realistic than you and I as believers. Just because we give our life to Jesus, we think that automatically we don't have to go through problems, we don't have to go through pain. Jesus said that if you hear these words of mine, you're like a wise man when the rain descends the flood comes the wind blows and if your house is not built on the rock you'll fall so he's just telling us that it's going to happen to christians non-christian rich and poor the difference is that your respond after when it happens it's not what happens to you that matters that actually keep us yeah. hurting it's how we respond to what happens to us and I like the, I like your attitude that you use your 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 personal journey, you use your pain, you transform it, you convert it into a purpose that is impacting lives. So that means that your pain was not wasted, your labor was not wasted, nothing was wasted. But if if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't know Jesus Christ, you would see that as a waste because that's what the enemy would do. You're a failure, but God can turn that failure into success because that's what He specializes in. You know, so and, um, even with my events that I have every year, the women that I bring in to share, uh, average women 
But when they share their stories, people are always surprised to hear the things that they go through. I love, I love stories. I, I'm a storyteller and I love to right. hear. I, I, feel, I feel like when you hear people's stories, that whole comparison and jealousy and, you know, thing, it breaks because you realize that I might be thinking you have a better life than me or I something. And then you realize that you've been through so much. So like I mentioned, my friend who came and she went to the women's prison, when she went in and she, very slim white girl, you know, doesn't look like she could, as we say in Trinidad, mash ants. <laughs> but when she walked in and she shared her story with a woman that was in the prison and how she's outside now and, you know, she's doing things and she's traveling the world, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, the woman in the prison, there was nothing that I could have said to them that they would have listened to the way that she said it to them. So mm -hmm. I think when we go through stuff, it's our responsibility to share to other people who might be going through it as well, that, hey, I went through this and I made it. You could make it too. Yeah. I, and I also believe that God specializes in using your experiences as your ministry. And it's more effective that way because when he uses your experience as your ministry, you're able to be more real. You're more convincing. Basically, for example, from Africa, you're dealing with witchcraft. And then you meet somebody else who's dealing with that. You who is from Africa, you have that witchcraft. You're more, first of all, you show a sense of understanding towards that person that I've been there, I've done that. Not only you show a sense of sympathy, empathy, understanding, you'll be sensitive, you'll be caring, you'll be compassionate. You will also believe that there is hope because now God has delivered you from it. And now you know who is a solution. That is why when Jesus um, does his healing, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. The word compassion means that you come into terms, you're passionate about seeing the betterment of other people. And that's, that's who Jesus is. He's compassionate towards you and I. He wants to see us become better because he said, I've come to do what? To give you and I life, life in abundance, you know? So our experiences in life, they are indeed our ministry, even the Bible is called it a book of testimonies. It's full of people's testimonies. You and I, we, we read David's life story. You said about compassion. I think that word sums up what women bring to leadership spaces. Mm, you know, interesting. That, that extra layer of compassion. It doesn't mean that men definitely show compassion as well. You know, um, but men, I think, are more doers. You know, they focus it on, okay, I need to move this from here. What do I need to do to move that from there? The woman now, they're like, oh, gosh, if we move this from here, it might bother so-and-so. It might, you know, we tend to be. So that compassion, I think, is a great, um, a great additional, you know, thing that women bring to faith spaces as well. And it should be something that um, should be noted after the pandemic, just because I, I had so many friends and myself as well. I went through a divorce. I had friends that lost children. I had friends that, you know, lost careers too, like me, but just realizing that I th that it was really challenging for women to start over as mothers compared to single women mm. or compared to men. And it does not lessen, um, that's not to minimize anybody else's journey. But the reality is, is that for mothers, it is extremely challenging for them to pick up the pieces from any situation, from grief, 
um, let's say you're a woman and you lost a partner, a father, to your children and a husband, chances are your grief would have to go on the back burner because you have to now help these children go through this process, you mm. know? Um, so I really just wanted to write that book just to share what I had been through, things that would have helped me, things that I had seen help other people as well, tips that I learned from my therapist, <laughs> you know, um, just encourage people that it is possible to start over. And like I said, going back to sharing stories, you know, what I think the number one thing that people have to remember when you're starting over, when you're going through anything in life is to not compare your journey to anybody else's. And that's one of the things that I wanted to just kind of stand out in that book, because when we start to compare ourselves, if you look at athletes running a race, when I'm from the Caribbean, so when you look at Usain Bolt and another athlete running a race, he not looking at who's next to him. Well, if he, mm. maybe coming to the end, he might do that to just kind of like playfully, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to be playful. But generally, athletes are not looking at the person next to them. They, you know, their eyes are in front because they're just looking at the finish line. And I think sometimes we lose time. We waste time looking to the left, you know, looking to the right. Because we, we want to see if, you know, maybe something wrong with me. Why taking so long? Why is it taking so long for me? But it's important for us to just stay focused, keep our eyes to the front, focus on our own journey. And um, yeah, that, that book was just really to just kind of remind mothers mainly of that, that y your journey is yours and it will come to flourishing in its own time our parenting journey, our career journeys. So you might have one person decide to send their child to this particular school. Your child goes to this school, you find, no, this is the better school. Or this person decides this career path. It's so important for mothers to, you know, the Bible talks about having a vision, right? Yes. Having a vision. I think having a vision for your children as well. Yes, they will grow up to, they will choose their path. But having that vision, I, I believe every mother has a little bit of foresight. You know your children. You see their gifts and their talents. And mm. no two children, two or three children are the same, right? If you have siblings, I'm sure, I'm not sure if you do, if you have siblings, you're always, I'm different to my siblings, right? And when we, 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 we cause so much chaos in our homes and in our families, even in married women too, not just the single ones, because sometimes you're pressuring your husband I need to paint the house this color. I need this vehicle because the neighbor get a new car. The neighbor decides to paint her house. Like, as you said, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Focus on your own. And I think, too, it's so important. I love this. Um, I can't remember where I heard it. But I remember last year I heard this phrase that said, and, and, I, and I repeat it almost every day now, and when something doesn't go my way, just remember that everything in life happens for you, not to you. Mm. So I think I, I've adopted that concept, you know, um, and it ties into the Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that says everything, you know, all things work together for good to those that are, you know, called and, and, and loves the Lord and are called according to their purpose, right? Everything works out in your life in the end for good, mm. for you. So if you wanna if you wanna buy a car and it doesn't work out for you to buy that particular car, if you remind yourself that everything is working out for my good, then you'll know that God has something else lined up better. 
And as a mother, if you want your child to play a particular sport, but they're not good at that sport, maybe it is that God has something better lined up for them in the future. So it's so important for us as children of God to remind ourselves that God has our lives planned out. He wants the best for us. He wants the best for our children. He wants the best for us in, in the area of marriage. You know, so if your marriage doesn't work out, he will, God's ideal vision and plan for our lives is for nobody to be alone, that nobody would be unhappy. But sometimes it just takes, sometimes we put ourselves in bad situations too. Yes, <laughs> but yes. in the end, as long as we just remind ourselves that everything works out for our good in the end, I think that will keep us to also be in better spirits as well too. Sometimes we just stress ourselves out. And I can tell you about stress. I have an autoimmune condition that's triggered by stress, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, so just we're just encouraging ourselves in the Lord daily and reminding ourselves that everything will work out for your good in the end. It will. It always, always, always does. Once you are sure and confident in your purpose, it, it, I think it almost becomes, it's like you, it's like whatever anybody else is doing, it's just, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. That's back. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you, you almost become blind to what mm. other people are doing. Last year, one of my prayers was God help me to see me, you know, because mm. I was also seeing this trend, as you said, you know, with the article that you read about not much compassion, you know, I, I was seeing where. I, I'm not sure if it's out of the pandemic where people are just kind of just very on edge still. A lot of people are just very highly irritable and things like that. And I was seeing where a lot of people do not see how they are. It's almost as though they feel as though they are one way. But then when you encounter them, people like what people receive is something completely different. And I was, I, I you know, I, I, would, I would pray almost every year and say, God, help, just help me to see me. Help me to see me. Let when people interact with me, when they leave, they must always feel better. People shouldn't come in contact with me and they should mm. have to go home feeling bad or anxious or upset about something that we spoke about. They should always leave my presence feeling better. How could I make someone's day better? And that just became a prayer. And now it's almost become common practice for me to just, you know, to see how I can make someone else's life better. In simple tasks, you know, by offering somebody something, offering my neighbor something, if I cook, offering extra. But those little things, if I look back at my life, it started with me, yes, as a child, but it was also implemented in my career life. Those 10 years that I spent being a flight attendant, serving people drinks, you know, mm. things like that. I see where God uses it now, today, in my everyday life, in my ministry. And remember going back, I said in the very beginning that I wasn't sure what I really wanted to do when that part of my career ended. I just knew that I wanted to serve. What better way to serve than to serve God's people, right? Hmm. The challenge comes in and, and when, when you're doing ministry is that it doesn't always pay the bills. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, but we just have to continue to trust God that, hmm. you know, because he provides all our, all our needs. And at the end of the day, obedience is the number one thing with my events that I have, I don't have any big sponsors, any big things. And every year, year after year, it always comes off. It mm. always happens. We don't have any bills, you know? So I have seen where 
when you are obedient to what it is God called you to do and when you're focused on it, it you know, God sends the people that you need to get the job done. And mm. it's so important for us to remember that, to stay focused and to be confident in who we are and to know that, you okay, sometimes it might be looking like it's not working out, but once I am sure that this assignment came from God, eventually it, it, it will. I don't think we know the severity and the seriousness of, of what stress does to our physical body. No? What do you think about spiritual burnout, workplace stress, uh, relationship stress, motherhood, and all that stuff? Yeah, well, um, like I mentioned, before I got vitiligo, I was just kind of going through the motions of life, kind of trying to hide all the pain that I was going through in work and just in life so I was basically living a facade you know um also too faith had a big role to play in my faith had a big role to play in one of the one of the reasons why I kind of like allowed myself to stay in so many stressful situations because I believed that I could pray things away you know, I believe that I could stay and, you know, if I anoint the shoes and I anoint the house and I, you know, do all the things that you see in war room and you do all the things that you see in fireproof, that eventually um, I could change the situation, you know, and then it's almost as though you become obsessed with that. You know, we talk a lot about how we could become obsessed with things in the world, but I believe too that there is a thin line between um practicing the right principles and becoming obsessed with it and there are a lot of women that become obsessed with um spirituality thinking that we could use our walk with god to change our spouses now yes we have the power through prayer and by how we carry ourselves as women to have an impact on your spouse's walk with the Lord. But the reality is that none of us, even God himself does not try to change anybody. He gives us all free will, you know? Um, so I think I became really, really, really like just extra tough on myself to the point where I didn't realize that it was, it was sending me mm. into a state of illness. And one day I got this, a very, very tiny dot. It was almost as though like something, I thought something maybe burnt me when I was cooking like oil, you know, and in no time, my entire skin, you know, started to, to change. And when I went to the dermatologist, they said, okay, you know, this is um vitiligo. Does anybody in your family have it? I said, no. So they tested me for thyroid and all of those things too. All the tests came back negative. And the doctor said that, um, do you know that vitiligo is triggered by stress? It's connected to your immune system. And what happens is, is that when you go through a lot of stress, your body goes through a lot of mental stress. Certain mm. things tend to happen where your body stays in this state of fight or flight. And in my case, my melanin, these cells, melanin was now attacking itself because it saw that maybe it, it, like my body had like short circuited. <laughs> And it just started to attack itself. Now, the same thing happens sometimes with lupus, where, you know, lupus, now it will attack your organs, your body. You, you. But for vitiligo, it attacks the skin. 
So mm. I was, I'm super grateful to God that it's not something, I mean, it's just something cosmetic, you know, it, it does not attack, doesn't affect me physically on a health perspective, mm. but stress could cause you to get heart attacks, strokes, you know, um, a whole list of different autoimmune conditions are triggered by stress. And it's really, really important for us to, as Christian people to realize that yes, prayer is important absolutely foundational to our life and super super important but there comes a time when we have to realize that it's not sometimes it's not prayer alone sometimes it's prayer hand in hand with tangible actions sometimes it's prayer hand in hand with you know godly counsel sometimes it's prayer and walking away sometimes it's prayer and saying i need help um, yeah, because it, it could really, really, really kill you. Stress is not something I think we talk about a lot in the church because mm-hmm. we have this whole thing where, you know, don't worry, you're worrying too much. Pray about it. So what's your take on mental health in church? Um, and I'm happy now that we're seeing a lot more conversations coming about, and a lot more leaders, I think, are getting the training and stuff, you know, as it pertains to how to address things like that. But I also think, too, that educating ourselves is the number one priority. Um, not trying to self-diagnose anybody or self-diagnose yourself. Um, remembering that God is the ultimate healer still. Still. But um, also recognizing that we live in some different times. Like I said, many beginning, we were talking about people in the Bible living in a completely different time to now. I didn't think that five years ago I would have lived through a global pandemic. You know, so when you hear young people now saying that they're stressed or they're tired or they're depressed, that could really be true because they would have gone through something that we would have not imagine that we would have gone through mm. you know so i think it's important for us to just honor what people say especially young people i feel like a lot of when i have conversations with young people and i have a teenager too a lot of times they don't feel heard in the church they feel very much dismissed like if they express how they feel it's like you know they come they compared it to say the millennial generation or whatever and told, well, we got over it. You know, we went through that. You all have it easy in Trinidad. We say that you have it easy or you're too happy. <laughs> and maybe I've heard Caribbean people say that, well, you're too happy. Um, when in truth and in fact, had our parents gotten the therapy that, <laughs> that they may have needed or yeah. our grandparents gotten the help that they have needed, it would have probably saved the generations a whole bunch of trauma. You know, not because not because the elders went through it and they survived means that they survived healthily or they came out okay some of them didn't come out too good <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah wow wow um well that's that's pretty much a wrap i don't have any more question what is your last message how can people get your book well both of them are available on amazon and you can get the first book on west Bow press that was where i published that book with um, you could just search it up online, type in my name on Amazon. I believe both books will come up. 
And yeah, if people want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook by the same name, Akina Kublal. Just send me a message or we could chat. Um, my final words would be to just encourage people, women mainly, um, in the space of leadership. And also to plug this, leadership does not necessarily mean on a stage or like me, written two books or, you know, doing anything on a grand scale or you have a million followers on social media. Sometimes leadership is leading your children home, being a homeschooling mom, being a stay-at-home wife, you know. Those are considered leadership roles as well. So I think it's important to just say that. But I just want to leave as a final note to just encourage people to stay focused on their own mission. We all have a purpose on this earth. We all have an assignment to complete. And your assignment might look different to my assignment. But once you stay focused on yours and get that finished, then we'll see how everything will come together in the end. The perfect picture will come together in the end. But the minute that you start focusing on somebody else's assignment is then when you kind of keep back the whole process. You know, So focus on your own assignment. Encourage people be good to people. Don't just be good to people because you're a Christian. Strive, strive to be good at your core, you know? Because then when, I feel like when you're a good person, because you're a Christian, when you feel like God not watching, you tend to do, you know, little things. But try, try to be a good person regardless and just do your best and God will do the rest. Thank you so much, my dear.